Welcome to the Wealth Radar Podcast, where we scan the landscape and navigate the noise of investing and personal wealth. I'm Jason Fowler and I'm joined by my brother Paul. We are both certified financial planners from Fowler's Group and today we're joined with the founder of Fowler's Group, our old man, Bob Fowler. Welcome, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. It's good to be here. It is. I'm excited too, Jason. Look, before we get into the episode, I just want to let everyone know that at the end of the episode, we're going to be giving away our book. You go to our Wealth Radar Facebook page. We'll have a question that relates to the episode. You go on the Facebook, answer the question, and we'll send everyone out a book that gets it correct. Yes, welcome, Dad. Um, look, being the founder, um, probably more on the in inner circles, the guru around here, as he's, he's better known as, but 50 years... Uh, dad this year that's Fowler's right yeah. group yep um i guess to start off uh what we want to know is what sort of got you in profession i know in your younger days you were a uh, quite a promising young ginger-haired actor um but you've ended up in this profession how did, how did you come about it um you're from the big smoke in brisbane how did you actually end up in in cairns well i uh, i actually started with the mlc life insurance straight out of um, grade 12 at um, high school. That was the first job I applied for and I got it because obviously I was a good pick. And uh, so I spent uh, 10 years in the office as a clerk and I was transferred up to Cairns um, in 1971 as the district manager. And um, it, selling life insurance was something was that I'd been inspired by with all the salespeople that I'd met in those 10 years in the office. They're all good blokes, seemed to have a great life and made a decent quid for themselves. So it was something I'd always intended to do. And then in, um, I think it was in June 1972, the MLC, uh, the the Queensland manager of the MLC came up here and said they wanted to transfer me to, uh, to Sydney. And I said, well, what options do I have? And he said, well, no, that's where you'd be going. And I said, well, I think I'll resign. I'm going to become a salesperson. And that's what I did. So I got into that and um, mm. that's where it kicked off. Back in uh, 1972, as a 27-year-old young fellow with uh, Jason only born in uh, The highlight of your entire life. Well, that, that's that what I was going to say. If you moved to Sydney, we'd end up being cockroaches. That wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be good. That'd have been yeah, terrible. That's right. So we got out of that. So that's where it kicked off and um, sort of progressed from there. A couple of my mates from the MLC early days had gone out into life insurance sales and had done well, and they gave me a few tips on what I had to do and, uh, you know, join up with the Life Underwriters Association, which was the group of uh, life insurance salespeople around. So there was some... Some very good operators in Cairns, Gordon Weir, Zach Zakur, and I became quite friendly with those guys, and they gave me a lot of help in the uh, in the early years. So it was that's how it sort of kicked off. So yeah. that was that was July 1972, and as Paul said, you know, 50 years ticked by in a couple of months' time. So what has probably changed the most, do you think, in that 50 years in providing advice to individuals and businesses? Well, I don't know that there's been a lot changed except there's a lot of legislation that's come in and and um, and the idea that you that um, people don't need to be sold anything has changed so this salesman seems to have a uh, you know a cloud over it but 
I remember way back that I heard the terminology nothing happens until somebody sells something. And it's not necessarily selling or holding a hammer on anyone's head. It's just talking about life stories and talking about how things people can be affected by various things throughout their life and why they need to protect the people they love and they need to put some money aside for later on when they decide to um, retire, say, or they've got to put their kids through education so people need to be conscious of saving money and protection, protecting those they, they love and the businesses they're involved in. So... So you started as a life insurance agent and, and selling life insurance and then superannuation started a bit later than that, I take it. How, how did it actually evolve into to what the business is now, financial well, planning, and how did you evolve with that? Yeah. Well, what happened, superannuation was around, but in those days it was provided by the employer and it was usually on the basis that the employer would put in 5% of the salary and the employee would put in 5% of salary. Now, not every employer provided that, but I'd noticed that the the uh, the top insurance people in Australia, in in the sales area, they'd all had large employer superannuation funds, and I thought, well, if I'm if I'm going to be up there, then I need to get involved in that. So uh, that's where I got into the um, superannuation, and then superannuation um, that used to be sort of a life insurance type product. And then uh, investments came on the scene. Investment companies came in and started to just sell straight investments. So superannuation then became an investment tool. And so um, you had to become aware of how investments worked. And so also you had to be licensed to, uh, to, uh, to sell or to promote investment products. So then we had to go through that. And interestingly enough, the... Uh, one of the guys who ran the course that I had to do to get licensed was Paul Clitheroe. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, wow. of, of money fame, Channel yeah. 9 for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so he's a gun. So I learnt from the best, say, so, back yeah. then. Yeah. Very good. And in that time, or thinking back over that 50 years, what are some of the interactions, I suppose, or journeys that you've been on with different people, possibly good and bad, that have probably stayed with you over that time? Well... I suppose one of the things I think about is when I when I first joined, one of the areas that um, I was told I should get involved in was a million dollar roundtable, which is an international insurance sales group, and you had to qualify to get there. So I qualified in my first year, basically. But I went to my first meeting in San Francisco in. 1975, and there was a fellow presented over there called Alex McKenzie, who'd written a book called *The Time Trap*, and he talked about how you know time is valuable, and um, and said really that if you're doing a job and you're earning say 50 hours, 50 dollars an hour, uh, but you're doing work, uh, um, sort of office work, that you could pay someone say ten dollars an hour to do, then you're better off employing someone to do that, so you can spend more time out um, producing. So I came back and thought, what a great idea! And uh, I put sufficient money aside, like it was two two hundred dollars a week. I put aside, saying I'll do this for three months to see whether I can afford that. I did it for a month and said, Nah, let's go for it. And then employed my first uh, staff member uh, back in yeah, that would have been nineteen. Yep, 1975. So that's how it started. Fowler's 
uh, as an employer yep. commenced, yep. commenced back then. And suppose since that, for, with that initial learning, it's been about um, creating something that could go past you, I suppose, and then and, and bringing in other. I mean, I've heard you say lots of times it's it's quite beneficial to hire people that are younger and smarter than you yeah. <laughs> and, and build over a period of, I think that's a oh, bit, you're, tr- you're trying got, to think about the when you right. came well he got the younger right when you employed him I don't know about the second part <laughs> no but I mean that's something that you've I, from my point of view that's something you've always been strong in is, A is delegating as you talk about getting somebody else you know yep. that you can pass stuff to do but then broadening the knowledge base of the firm over a period of time so sort of how's that journey progressed? well it's, it's it also keep it trying to keep up with technology now, I'm no um, guru on technology, and that's why I've always used other people to help me. But I remember I, I got an IBM XT, <laughs> which was the gun computer that was going to had 20 megabytes of memory or something, and it was going to last us forever. Well, we blew the memory on that in three months. And uh, so that sort of changed. That was my introduction to uh, technology. But we always kept up with that and I think that's the great part of where we're going being able to adapt to change being willing to change when you see things that can give you better value and allow you to provide better value to your clients from a service point of view keep you more up to date keep you in front of them keep information in front of your clients and that's the most important thing the other um, issue I found is that you've got to rely on staff members or other people to do things so you can um, be able to give them work and trust that they'll get it done now if they if they make a blue that's what life is so you accept that and you you cover that and you, you know you don't sort of sack them because they've made a mistake you know they'll learn from that and and go ahead and that's been a, a, a you know a great advantage to us over the over the years so through over time what one thing i have noticed is that you you are actually always willing to learn um even as the leader the boss always willing to take on board i think one of the the great sayings you, that that i got off you is that no one has a, a mortgage on intelligence um so you're always encouraging staff to learn and be the best they can you're always encouraging us to to talk to people in the industry um and it is an industry like that, isn't it? It's an industry where everyone's willing to share whilst you, I guess, compete. But it's, it's interesting how everyone is just willing to open up and, and share how to do business and yeah, how they do things. That's exactly right. But that's when I go back earlier, I said about Gordon Weir and Zach Zakur. They were great providers of information and help to me. And they were opposition, you know, working for different insurance companies. But without them, I, you know, I could have stumbled along forever. And then the Million Dollar Roundtable, the international group and mixing with um, people from there. And one of the great experiences of my life, the the greatest insurance salesman in the world at that time was a fellow called Ben Feldman. And he was coming out to Australia and I wrote him a letter saying, oh, dear Mr Feldman, if you're coming through Cairns, um, could you um, speak to the LUA members up here? And he wrote back and said, oh, sorry, I won't have time to do that, but appreciate your letter. Well, I was sitting in an office with a client of mine having a chat and I got this phone call this was, say, a month later, and it was Ben Feldman. He was at the Cairns airport and said, oh, Bob, I thought I'd give you a call. I just wondered if you've got time to come out. Well, I said, excuse me, mate, I've got an important important person to meet. So, whoop, I went out and picked up Ben Feldman at the airport and I drove him around Cairns for about three-quarters of an hour, I suppose, and all he wanted to do was 
try and help me. So, you know, so Bob, what I'd say if I saw these people is, and you know, yeah. just some mar- marvelous experience from the greatest salesman in the world at that time. And well, I think that, yep. sorry, Paul, I, I think that that is something that we've learnt and established, and over a period of time, I mean, Fowler's, I mean, I'm part of, uh, well, Fowler's is part of a group that started with a half a dozen firms in Australia and New Zealand that used to share ideas as yep. we grow, grew bigger, and how could we? How could we run better businesses? How could we talk better to clients, which has evolved into our firms all around the world? And that certainly came from that. And I think that that learning and that sharing is really important, right? FYG Planners, the organisation that we're part of from a licensing point of view, is all about sharing around the table. And I think that's a a real gift. What other things have you learned over the journey from that you think have, you know, you've been dealing with people for 50 plus years, right? And, And a lot of that, They've, had, they've shared, you know, really close information, whether it be family information, financial information. They, you know, they've come to trust you and to sit over the period of time, the rest of us as well. What, what sort of lessons has been learnt out of that? What do you think is the reason for that success in, in, in secrets in talking with people and sharing some inner secrets? I think it's always being there and keeping in touch. You know, once you've got a uh, a person's a client of yours, then they're not. It's not a here today or thanks very much. Take off. Who can I go and see? It's having that person and looking after them and and being concerned about them. And you know, I, being a, a father, that I was concerned that if I croaked, then my family need to be looked after. And so I, that's something I needed to pass on to the people I was speaking to as well from an insurance point of view. I also knew that because in the early days the insurance was savings and a protection benefit and you know many years later it just became a protection benefit and savings is a different um, product say. Um, but it's just putting money aside on a regular basis and I got involved in that early in the piece. When I first joined the MLC, the first thing I did was buy a life insurance policy for, you know, $2 a week or something, and then I just continued that every year. And I saw how the values grow, and even though people used to say, oh, it's a lousy investment, it'll only show a 3 or 4% return, then it's not... I think it was Eddie Cantor was told before me years ago, it's, it's not the return on your money, it's the return of your money that yep. you should be concerned about. Yep. And we always we're able to have a return of the money. So it's it's keeping in touch with people and caring about them, you know, that's, and trying to give some value that in some cases that you're not going to get anything back from, but you just keep in touch and pat people on the head and explain things and there's always some change going on in life with a... Um, in the early days, you used to get a tax deduction for life insurance. Well, that got wiped out. So people used to think, well, nobody would buy life insurance now because it's not deductible, but it just got bigger and brighter and better and, you know, time went on. So keeping in touch is really the most important thing, I think. And and I think one of the lessons, Jason, you would have probably learnt this in the first week that I started at Fowler's Group and every week since, um, I've heard, that you know, the, the, the four pillars of referability – uh, is a big one for you, isn't it? Really, it's, they're, they're sharp yep. on time. Correct. Do what <laughs> you say you're going to do. Yep. Finish what you started. And say please and thank you. And, th- and that's a big part, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now that, and it's such a simple process to follow, and yet there aren't a lot of people who do that, particularly the please and thank you. You know, mm. that's because 
we're not in business to drive, you know, our thoughts onto someone. We're there to help and, uh, I keep saying, provide some value. But they're dealing with us and they're trusting us, so we get to thank them for that. Yeah, and so, I think, sorry, yeah. Paul, I was just picking up on that. Or as you say, it's not about imposing our thoughts on clients. I do think one of the things that I've learnt and over the period of time I think our firm is, is good at is actually sharing experiences and explaining yep. mm-hmm. to people why we, we talk about some of the stuff we do and whether that's personal experiences that you've that we've shared or that we've other clients have shared I think is part of that learning. I remember you know one of the key um, retirement principles that we talk about here with clients is the bucket principle, this idea of creating wealth yep. in a bucket that at some point when you longer go to work you can turn a tap on and generate an income stream that meets your needs, right? And I remember you telling, and you can you can share that where where that came from, which I think was MDRT from memory, and how that you went through that process personally, um, yep. and yep. and that's what solidified that as a mm. as a marker for what we talk about. Yeah, the bucket principle was uh, it, it was developed. I saw it in the first place with Phil Guest, who was a a, a big. Um, financial planner out of Sydney and a, a really great bloke. He passed a, a couple of years ago, unfortunately. Um, but also I was at a, um, a, a conference in Brisbane and a fellow called Malcolm Payne was running this business session and saying, this is how you plan for people, how much you've got to have when you retire. You know, if you want to get a million dollars and you can earn 10%, you know, whatever, then that'll, you know, that'll produce this. And so you've got to figure out to get a million dollars in your bucket. And so I'd sort of done the sums on, you know, what I wanted to get to when I retired at, say, 60. And I figured out what I had in my bucket and I did the sums that if I could put so much money aside over the next, I think it was the next 20 years, then I'd I'd be able to finish at 60. And when I looked at at what I had to do, I nearly had a heart attack. I thought, I can't afford that. What am I going to do? So I thought, well, the only thing you can do is you can either say, yes, I will, or you push it out from 60 to 65. And I didn't want to say, well, I'm going to push it out to 65. So I said, well, I will. So it's just having a plan and then focusing on that plan and going ahead. And that's what we try to promote with our our clients. If you've... If you've got a, a place to go, then you're a chance of getting there. Yeah. You don't want to use the stumble method and say, oh, I will get there at, at yeah. some stage. Yeah. So with, with Fowler's Group, if we, if we, if we fast forward now, we're at Fowler's Group today. It's, uh, it's quite a deal different to what it was back in uh, July 1972, <laughs> that's yeah. for sure. Um, and your role, I guess, is a, a little bit different, although you're still heavily involved in, in the business and, and, and what we do here, albeit that... Um, you sort of uh, you, you you don't have the licensing anymore. No. Um, how was that having to, having to, to turn the license and not having to, but but choosing to, I guess. Yeah. Well, in fact, it hasn't changed much because I realised that with all the stuff happening on, I don't need to. Yeah, I don't need to know everything because I've got sons and other people employed here who know everything so my idea is if there's if i run across someone who needs advice then i'd introduce them to the business and say the best person for you to speak to would be jason or paul or you know one of the uh, one of the staff members and bring them in to do that so but i 
you know, I realised ages ago when Jason came on board, I'd introduced him anywhere, to clients, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then he'd look after them and then when they'd come in the office or they'd ring up, they'd want to talk to Jason and not to me. And I'd say, what's going on here? <laughs> what about... But when they'd come in, they'd always want to say hello and how you going and have a bit of a chat about things, but they were quite happy to know they were being looked after by someone who knew they were talking about anyway. So that's... It's really having an organisation that you, you you trust and you know that they're going to provide the same sort of thing mm. that I'd provided over all the period of time. Clients come first. That's yep. the number one thing. Clients come first and that's all we promote. So you've got to be quite proud of where where things have ended up today and, and are you excited about what may end up in the, in the future for Fowler's Group, I guess? Oh, too right, yeah. Mm. I think... The future's just amazing the way that you guys can go and, and, you know, you fellas are driving it ahead there and I'm just proud to sit back and look at what's going on. But the things that I still have to do, I know, and we run that um, a business meeting every three months, have a day out of the office with some clients as well and concentrate on planning of what we're going to do, how we're going to look after our clients, what new stuff do we need to address and uh, and take it forward. So my thrust now is to keep this sort of stuff in front of, in front of the staff, so people are planning and making sure that the future is going to be right for both our organisation, but more importantly for our clients. And I think that's that's yeah, a great comment there because I mean today there's five people here that are licensed yeah. to provide yeah. advice, and only two of them are fowlers. They just happen to be the two buffheads talking on this podcast today. But you know we've got Paul Horn, we've got Amanda Golder. Yeah, um, Daniel Underwood, and then coming through, we've got Ben, and you know potentially more. And it's part of that generation over a period of time. I think is 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 really good, and that and a lot's to be said for the the grounding and the path that you set the firm on. As you said, going back to you know the early seventies when you hired somebody to do administrative administrative work to be able to free you up to do something else. And I think that's something we've continued to try and do over a period of time, and and bring in people with skill sets that we don't have. You know the fact that we've got. You know, we're a financial planning business, but we employ somebody with a graphic art design and somebody with an mm. IT design yep. just because it helps us provide a better outcome and a service to our clients is grounding as to where the yep. firm, you know, started. So we're quickly, rapidly running out of time. We're trying to keep this to 20 minutes and we're already at 22 and time flies oh, when we're having <laughs> fun, doesn't it? But I think just be, before we go, looking back, if you hadn't have been a financial advisor or hadn't have been transferred to Cairns in 1971 and the and then they tried to send you to Sydney in 1970, what what do you think you would have done? What would Bob have been? Oh, look, I, you would have been an actor for sure. <laughs> Come on. Well, I would have, yeah. No, there's Smiley. no doubt. Smiley. What I would have really liked to have been able to do is get up in front and perform for people, whether it was singing. Now, I always thought I had a really good voice, so at any parties or ever been at, I always held the floor at some period of time. When I was in the surf club and we'd have, uh, you know, parties in the surf club, I was always mm. one of the first up to sing songs. When in football, when we were coming back from trips on the bus and having a few beers, I was always the one who led the songs we could, there. Maybe we could have another podcast about these songs. <laughs> oh, good. You well, know, I did, cut he, a few. He's done a couple of renditions <laughs> of, of Glory and thank thank goodness we actually have a brother who's a mm. musician that makes yeah, up for right. all of That's yeah. where he got his talent from, obviously. That's yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But I missed out on Smiley. So I, yeah. I actually auditioned for Smiley, but they patted me on the head and said, away you go, boy. 
So, and you wouldn't have thought there was that many 10, 11 year old redheads with <laughs> no, freckles that could get that gig. I was just a pie eater. That's all. <laughs> and a hanky hanging out the front of the pants. Always. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, thanks very much for that, Dad. It's been great to, to have a chat and, and reminisce over old times. I think there's some really great, valuable lessons in that for people, not just financial planning, but just for people in business talking about putting clients first, you know. Please and thank you. All those referability habits that you talk about and actually being prepared to turn up to go to work to serve someone else. And I think that's one of the biggest things and the greatest legacy that you leave the firm, not that you're going anywhere yet, but <laughs> that the firm has learnt from that and the experience that we've passed in is about putting others in front and having a, a culture and a belief system in serving others. So thank you thank very you. much thanks, for joining thanks, us today. Yeah, thanks for coming in, Dad. It's a shame we've actually had to, to cut it short. This could have gone on for... For an hour or two at least, I'd imagine. But um, as we wrap up, um, we'd like everyone to head to, if you can, well, head to our Wealth Radar page on, on Facebook. Um, post some feedback, some comments. We've actually got a little giveaway. Um, so answer a question there on, on Facebook. Sorry, what would have Bob been if he wasn't a financial advisor? Um, we didn't even touch on the book. He's an author as well. Oh, correct. Um, he wrote yeah. a book when we turned 40, so 10 years ago. So we're going to give away a few of those books. Um, if you get that correct, take over to our Facebook page. Thanks very much. Thank you. Tune in again when we next join you for Wealth Radar. Thank you. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and the information contained is of a general nature and may not be relevant to your particular circumstances. The circumstances of each investor are different, and you should seek advice from a professional financial advisor who can consider if particular strategies and products are right for you. In all instances where information is based on historical performance, it is important to understand this is not a reliable indicator of future performance. You should not rely on any material on this podcast to make investment decisions and should seek professional advice. Fowler's Group ABN 5710524284 is an authorised representative number 230575 and credit representative number 403265 of FYG Planners Propriety Limited ABN 5509497240 Australian Financial Services and Credit Licence Number 224543.